In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Friends, welcome to worship as beloved people of God. Today we are called to put on Jesus Christ and live now in the light of God. I'm Pastor Mark Hall from United Lutheran Church in Prairie Farm. We are now in the season of the church year. The focus is on the mission Christ calls us to, empowered by the Holy Spirit given at Pentecost. And we hear the Spirit's call in God's word to love one another. The words of the hymn capture our spirit-breathed prayer. O Christ, create new hearts in us that beat in time with yours, that joined by faith with your great heart, become love's open doors. We are your body, risen Christ, our hearts, our hands we yield, that through our life and ministry, your love may be revealed. Before we hear our scripture readings today, let's begin with the prayer of the day. O Lord God, enliven and preserve your church with your perpetual mercy. Without your help, we mortals will fail. Remove far from us everything that is harmful, and lead us toward all that gives life and salvation. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. Our first reading today comes from Romans, the 13th chapter. Owe no one anything except to love one another, for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment are summed up in this word, love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. Besides this, you know what time it is, how it is now the moment for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we became believers. The night is far gone, the day is near. Let us lay aside the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us live honorably as in the day, not in reveling and drunkenness, not in debauchery and licentiousness, not in quarreling and jealousy, Instead, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desire. Here ends the reading. Our gospel reading comes from Matthew, the 18th chapter. Jesus said to the disciples, If another member of the church sins against you, go and point out the fault when the two of you are alone. If the member listens to you, you have regained that one. But if you are not listened to, take one or two others along with you, so that every word may be confirmed by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If the member refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if the offender refuses to listen even to the church, let such a one be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Truly I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, truly I tell you, if two of you agree on earth about anything you ask, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there among them. The Gospel of the Lord. A college and seminary friend of mine had his last Sunday serving his congregation last Sunday. Somehow he had made it to retirement without ever wearing a clergy shirt, a clergy collar like I put on today. He is one of the most humble, down-to-earth pastors I have ever known. 
He loved the people he served. He was always sensitive to any sort of hierarchy that might give anyone the impression that his position was superior or somehow he was more significant and above theirs. What we wear does say a lot about us, how accessible we are or how set apart we are. What we wear also has the ability to influence how we think about ourselves and how we act. I read about a recent study done by researchers at the University Northwestern University who recruited college students and asked them to wear either a doctor's coat or a painter's coat, which were actually the identical white coat, different in name only. And those who were wearing the doctor's coat boosted both their test scores and their attention levels. Researchers attributed these results to the meaning of the clothes and the experience of wearing them. The researchers called this phenomenon enclosed cognition. The clothes you put on will influence who you become. When Paul writes his letter to the church at Rome, he calls on the people in the congregation to put on the Lord Jesus. The verb in Greek for putting on the Lord Jesus describes the action of putting on clothes. Paul writes in reference to this clothing image, also in Galatians 3 and Colossians 3. Putting on the Lord Jesus happens in community, in our relationship with other people. What we wear then also says a lot about who we hope to be as a result of God's relationship with us. St. Paul uses this clothing image, putting on the Lord Jesus Christ, in reference to owing no one anything except to love them. Sometimes when we think of a loving, accepting, authentic community, we may imagine something like the setting of the TV series Cheers, where they're always glad you came and where everybody knows your name. You can probably sing the tune, the theme song, in your head from this sitcom. But the difficult thing about a community, even on Cheers, is that it's made up of people. And people, even on Cheers, didn't always get along. People can be stubborn, opinionated, selfish, rude. As St. Paul writes in his letter, he describes that people can also be jealous and prone to pick fights with each other. Jesus offers practical advice to his disciples in our gospel reading from Matthew 18 on how to go about restoring relationships when one member of the community has sinned against another. The strategy is really based on the kingdom of God goal to love your neighbor as yourself, reaching out to bring, to bring restoration in what has previously been broken. Love is always seeking the neighbor's highest good, finding a way to heal the wound. This is what Jesus said. All the law and the prophets hang on two commands, love God and love your neighbor. This is what Jesus himself did, of course. Jesus acted for the sake of others, making his love for others genuine on the cross, dying for you and me and for the world an act of grace-filled, undeserved love. In Jesus' ministry before his crucifixion, this love was visible too. 
One of the most powerful examples of this love in action is found in John 4, when Jesus offers the Samaritan woman at the well living water. This unmerited, freely offered gift became for this stranger the healing, restoring, saving movement of God in her life. The love that motivated this gift was really life-changing, unexpected. For that love was the very mission of God in action in Jesus. A mission that is often hidden from this merit-based culture of ours, which communicates loud and clear, you produce, earn what you get, and you get what you deserve. But God's love-based mission in Jesus Christ gifts this Samaritan woman and us with a new life. Freely given, ransomed, healed, restored, forgiven. You remember that Jesus offers this Samaritan woman who anyone Jesus, anyone from Jesus' background would have considered an outsider. He freely gifts this Samaritan woman with the water of life up front without any religious requirement or condition. Jesus offers her the water from the spring of water gushing up to eternal life. And Jesus offers her this gift before there's any revealing of her murky past, before there's any delving into what on earth brought her to this community well at noon in the heat of the day when no one else from the community would have been there. Jesus' presence at the well in John 4 follows arguably the most well-known Bible verse, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. Jesus' love at work in the life of this Samaritan woman is a radical love. When the disciples got back from their trip to the city to buy food, they were astonished to find Jesus speaking with this woman. But none of the disciples said what they were actually thinking. Why are you speaking with her? The woman turned to head back to the city. She left her water jar and went back to the city to tell people, Come and see a man who told me everything I have ever done. He cannot be the Messiah, can he? What kind of love is this that frees this woman from her former life, from everything that held her captive? In the shame of hiding her past, the shame of cutting her off from the community so that she would go to the church, to the town well under the blazing heat of the summer sun in the middle of the day. I read a book recently by Jacqueline Bussey entitled Love Without Limits. Toward the end of her book, Bussey has a series of summary notes about love. Note number two, love accepts a scruffy faith. Bussey writes, Church can and should be so much more than a place where we dress up, sing, talk pretty, and don a fake Barbie smile for an hour so others will perceive us as faithful rather than what we actually are, a struggling people with a scruffy faith. Church should be less like a palace and more like a dog park a place where the truth bounds wildly about off the leash. Bussey writes, I recently discovered the nifty notion of scruffy hospitality on a popular blog. Scruffy hospitality means go ahead and invite people over even if you haven't vacuumed your house for two weeks. Have nothing to eat except stale Cheetos and the kids' toys cover the living room floor. In other words, Love cares only about authenticity, 
not about making a good impression. Christians often insist that both our own faith and that of others be perfect. We demand faith free of fleas and muddy paws, drool and dingleberries. We demand it subscribe to a specific set of beliefs, namely those of our own church or clan. End of quote from Bussey's book. Bussey calls for a faith-based love that has a raw authenticity. She reminds us that our call is not to judge people, it is not to save people, our call is to love people. God has called us to be part of building a healing community in Jesus' name, using a scruffy faith-based love. God's word today leads us into the life that God desires for us. Owe no one anything except to love one another. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Put on Christ's love. Woven into this word of God is a question about the clothes I will put on and the clothes you will put on. After all, who do I want to become? Who do you want to become? Who do we want to become? May we willingly and joyfully put on the new clothes Christ gives us today, sewn with the fabric of his self-giving love. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, you lived and died for the sake of others, for our sake, out of love for us all. And your love for us never ends. Your grace-filled, forgiving love is a gift we do not deserve. May our awe and thanksgiving for your gift of everlasting love transform us and fill us with a faith-based love that has authenticity and reflects your light and goodness and grace in our relationships with others, especially with those who are most difficult to love. Clothe us in your love, Lord Jesus. And we pray the prayer our Lord taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.